The Upcycle Centrum is a brilliantly simple way for a town to support circular entrepreneurs, to improve recycling rates, and to help its citizens see how the circular economy supports people, planet, and prosperity. Hello, and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet, and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. As the account manager for the Upcycle Centrum in Almira, in the Netherlands, Heide Razoki has a strong focus on creative entrepreneurship and making connections for a shared goal of a world without waste. The Upcycle Centrum has three elements. Firstly, it's a, it's a recycling centre for local citizens. Secondly, it has an experience room made from upcycled materials for use by local businesses and community groups. And thirdly, it has a brilliant entrepreneur incubation programme, providing facilities, materials and other support to artisan businesses that turn, lo turn local waste materials into desirable, high-value products. Heide wants to help create a sustainable world. She sees an important role in this for younger generations, so in addition to her role of account manager for the Upcycle Centrum, she's an active board member of the Young Division of the NVRD, an organisation that connects professionals across the waste sector for the Netherlands. Heide tells us about the first six entrepreneurs in the incubator programme, ranging from a business making lighting and interior design products, artistic makeovers for pre-used clothes, a goldsmith, plastic products made with a shredder bike and a perfumier. The other business is a fashion atelier, Unravelau, and we interviewed founder Laura Myring in episode 56. We'll find out how Hader has helped change mindsets so that people think differently about what's going through their supply chains and how that could be turned into valuable outputs. We discover how Hader's sociology insights guide her approach to engaging local people in the circular economy, and Hader explains why creating tactile experiences are more powerful than inf information and stories. Hader describes how being in the experience room, with its beautiful upcycled materials and furniture, helps people see things through a new lens. They make connections and understand how each of us can contribute and how we're all critical parts of the whole process of sustainability. So let's meet Heide Razoki, and I'll catch up with you afterwards to share what I learnt from the conversation. Heide, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you, Catherine, for having me. Yeah, it's great to see you. And I'm curious to know a bit about your background and how you came to work at the Upcycle Centre. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, so uh, when I was, uh, uh, I, st I studied sociology, so that's something very different than uh, what I do now. Um, when I was younger, I was always interested in people and how they behave, how they acted. And that's actually the reason why I studied sociology. And I never expected to end up in the waste industry, but yeah, here we are. Um, when I graduated uh, uh, from my studies, um, I started working as a trainee at a much smaller municipality, but in the same province that Almir is also in, at the province of Flevoland. And that's actually when I came in contact with uh, waste and the waste industry, and that's also um, when I came in contact with the Upcycle Center. And um, I remember very vividly that I had a meeting with um, a semi-private organization um, that collects waste. And uh, they do that for about around 23 municipalities. And I had a meeting there. And I remember meeting an older man uh, who told me, so yeah, is this your first time uh, uh, in the waste industry? I said, yes, I am very interested. It's very fascinating. And he looked at me and he told me, once you start here, you will never go back. Um, and I thought, okay, this man is quite a bit silly. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's old. I'm young, I'm interested in so many different topics. I want to do something with people and how they behave and um, more in, in that area. But yeah, looking back, he was right. Because uh, <laughs> you've been like, hooked on waste ever since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, you don't get rid of, of, that, of that excitement and that feeling that you get uh, with, with waste. It's it's very weird to say that but, but yeah um <laughs> so so a, so tell us more about the upcycle center then um you know where is it why does it exist what's yeah what's the what's it all about so the upcycle centrum is located in almere uh it's at business park almere haven and um uh, almere the municipality of almere wants to be a circular city and the Upcycle Center is one of those, uh, one of the initiatives um, that contributes to that goal. And uh, the Upcycle Center is basically um, the flywheel of the circular, local circular economy of Almere. And it's not your typical or traditional recycling platform. You can basically divide the Upcycle Center in three parts. We have the recycling platform three workshops for three startups and an experience room where you can experience the circular economy. Great. So I really like that phrase, the flywheel of the circular economy for Almira. But yeah, tell us a bit more about the three different parts then. So um, the entrepreneurs, and we've already interviewed Laura Meyering of Unravel, Unravel Hour, who's one of the entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit more about the others, what, what they do and how that's circular. Yeah. So in total, we've had uh, six entrepreneurs. Um, the first three were uh, Ruig and Geroest, Ruig and um, Saved. 
uh, ruig en geroest. Uh, it basically translates as rough and rusty. He uh, was an entrepreneur who made interior articles. And he's also the one that made our lamps in our experience room. He did that with boilers and pressure well, uh, vessels. Uh, then we had ruig, which translates into smell. Uh, they made perfume out of waste and they used our plastics to make their um, perfume bottles. And lastly, we also had saved and she saved uh, clothing that was brought in uh, uh, by giving them a new print and therefore a new life. And at the end of 2019, they left and uh, these the three new businesses moved in and Laura is one of them from Anrevelau. We have also Isolde de Ridder Sieraden and Sieraden means jewelry. And she is a circular uh, goldsmith uh, and she makes jewelry out of uh, waste. And she also tells the ugly side of bling, uh, uh, actually. And that's a quite interesting story that she has. Um, and she, we have she tells the, the what side ugly, of? The ugly side of, oh, of uh, bling. Okay. Of bling and gold and silver and uh, the mining process. Right, yes. I know a little bit about uh, gold mining, but I can imagine there are similar problems in lots of other um, yeah. mining as well. Absolutely. And so, and so sorry, What? which was the third one I interrupted three, you? Three cycle. Okay. And um, they have designed a shredder bike and with the... With uh, that bike, they shred our plastic and they melt the plastic and make new products uh, such as cutting boards, knives, um, etc. Uh, and all the entrepreneurs make very high-end products and that have excellent quality and they truly show um, that waste is not waste but a resource in the circular economy. And um, most people think that waste is dirty, that secondhand products are dirty, but they show that the products that they make is very high quality, is fresh, clean, is very modern, and um, it opens people's eyes about waste and secondhand and uh, you name it. Mm. Yeah, there's some really interesting examples there in, in all sorts of different sectors. And I know when we spoke before, Hedda, um, we were talking about the perfume business. And mm -hmm. uh, first of all, I hadn't realized that they were also using recycled plastics for packaging, which is great. But um, they had a range of perfumes, didn't they? And one of them was using discarded rose petals from one of the biggest rose exporting businesses in, in the Netherlands. Um, yes. And also they'd used waste Christmas trees and all sorts of things like that. So they're, yeah. they're really demonstrating how something that's about to be discarded can instead be turned into a really valuable, desirable product. Yeah, yeah. And something that is very high quality. I think that's also important to note that it's not um, something that is... Um, um, it starts with very uh, uh, low econo economic value, mm -hmm. but they turn it in something that has a high economic value and they create new ways of thinking uh, uh, in the economy. And I think that's also very interesting um, 
interesting to note that that it's not only upcycling the waste, but it, there's a whole world around it that they affect. Mm, exactly, and it can make the the feedstock business more viable as well, can't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. A while ago, I was listening to Dr. Gunter Pauli talking about some of the projects he's involved in, and he was talking about coffee plantations and some of the ways that farmers are now able to use the um, the coffee cherry, which is the kind of outer casing, um, mm-hmm. which is more than 40% of the of the volume of what they're producing. And yet in yeah. the past, it had all had to go to waste. And mm-hmm. because it's a, a high volume waste and it's quite acidic, it was no good for composting and just oh, caused, yeah. you know, lots of lots of problems if it was left on the farm. Plus, it was very bulky. So moving it away from the farm was expensive and beyond the means of most um, coffee farmers. So instead, they've been developing ways to convert the coffee cherry into things that can go back into food and drinks and so on. And again, it's become a high value product because it's actually full of really valuable nutrients that aren't in the coffee bean. So this yeah, this yeah. kind of way of understanding the the full value of what's going through the supply chain and making sure that that value is being realized and also being shared more fairly i think is yeah. is really important and you know discoveries like these the the kind of um you know making perfume out of waste christmas trees and um making making jewellery out of waste and all that kind of thing, it starts to change people's mindsets about what the, what's going through their own supply chains and how that could be turned into more valuable outputs. Absolutely. Yeah, so so that's, that's interesting. So are the entrepreneurs, can they stay for longer than a year or so or, or is it just a fixed time thing and then um, there's, there's what, a competition for the next group how yeah. how does that work they can stay a year and a half with us and then we start looking for new entrepreneurs because we want to give them um uh, a boost to start their business but then they have to go uh, um, uh, do their own thing and uh, we try to help other uh, startups with their uh, plans and actually, we are starting to search for a new uh, entrepreneur. Um, in February, Laura will uh, leave us. And then uh, we will have to have a new uh, startup uh, for her workshop. So we, we get attendance and people can uh, um, yeah, write us uh, their plan. And then we search the best three plans and they have to pay, give a pitch. And then we choose the best one. And... Um, we look at uh, uh, the flow that they are targeting, the waste flow that they are targeting, because we want to show our residents that every f- uh, waste flow that they bring in, that we can do something else about with it. So we don't like to have like three entrepreneurs that tackle textiles because mm. that, that w- wouldn't be interesting. So we look at what kind of entrepreneurs did we have? What kind of waste flow did they tackle? And are there entrepreneurs that can tackle something else so we can give our residents another example of what we can do with waste? Mm. Yeah, so it's all about firing people's imaginations in yeah, lots of al- different directions. Yes, and also one of the 
two most important concepts that you can find in the Upcycling Center is making things visible and tangible. That though these concepts are so important, it's not only you can not only find it in the activities that we develop, but also the walls of the uh, Upcycle Center itself are uh, built with a notion of circularity and making that visible and tangible. Uh, so it's very important that we show people what what it is. Um, we have a saying in 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 Dutch uh, that goes like, "You can talk about it till you weigh an ounce." So that means you can talk about things, but you can't reach anything by it because talking about it, you yeah, you do nothing about mm. it. But if you show people and you make it approachable, you make it visible, tangible, then you reach people. Then you can change behavior and change the mindsets of people because they can see it, feel it, smell it, taste it, you name it, by their shells. Yeah, and believe believe it, and I suppose remember it more easily. You know, we have exactly. all these different sensory um, elements to our memory, don't we? And and often having smelt something or touched it or um, used it in some way means that we're not going to forget it whereas just just hearing somebody talk about it doesn't have the same the same effect no no so you mentioned the walls of the upcycling center and you also mentioned earlier some of the um, the fittings in the experience rooms. So what, what are the experience rooms all about and, you know, what are they used for and what's in them? Paint a yeah. picture for us. Yes, so the experience room is a room that's fully upcycled. So everything that you see there is upcycled. Um, we have, for example, our floor is made out of 13,000 pieces of recycled wood. We have uh, lamps made out of uh, uh, boilers and pressure ve- uh, vessels. Our stools are made out of old car rims. Like everything that you see is upcycled. And um, we offer uh, uh, educational packages, workshops in our experience room. Uh, and it's also a place that people can rent if they are looking for an inspirational room because they are tackling their sustainability theme or something like that. They come to us to um, have their meeting there. So it's a very inspiring location because if you um, step into it, you are basically into the circular economy because everywhere you look, you see um, products that are made out of um, uh, waste. but it, but again, it's waste that's become something beautiful and useful. Exactly. Exactly. So, have you had any? Are there any stories of people being in the experience room and then, you know, having that that revelation, that light bulb moment that's inspired something? Yeah, I have many visitors uh, uh, that came uh, after the tour that I gave them, or one of my colleagues. They can they then come to us and say, oh, okay, so that's what what, what you mean uh, when you talk about uh, circular economy. This has opened my eyes. Or they say, oh, so you really do something with our waste. You turn it into something new. 
um, I will now separate my waste more proper, properly. So that's very good to hear that if you show people that they have a reaction to it and they have the reaction of, oh, okay, so I want to be a part of it. I want to do better. I want to separate my waste uh, uh, more correctly because I see that they can make something new out of it. So that's very helping in, uh, 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 no, not helping, it's very reassuring in things that we are doing. Mm. And people will feel like just doing the extra little bit of, you know, keeping keeping things properly separated and cleaning things that need cleaning before they go into the recycling and not contaminating it by putting something in that shouldn't be there. They now feel that that's going to actually make a big difference to the entrepreneurs and the, and the quality of the feedstock that they're getting. Absolutely. So, yeah, instead of it just being a kind of, you know, I do I do something and then I have no idea what happens to it and yeah yeah and and they um and we make sure that we tell them that they have an important part in the process that it's not only the entrepreneurs but they are a critical part of the whole process because mm. we show them we show that all under our roof you bring our your waste our entrepreneurs pick it out and they upcycle it and in the experience room we then show them what we have made out of it. And that's also important to make them a part of it, that it's not something that's out of, outside their um, outside their reach. Or, yeah, um, yeah, this is, this is all of our, it's, it's a system that we're all part of and we're all responsible for what, for what goes in and, the, and the, um, the value of what comes out. Excellent. So what, what about what's next? Have you got any new, new exciting projects in the pipeline? Yeah, so um, two exciting uh, things that I want to uh, talk about. Um, one of the activities um, that we, uh, uh, we are working on is um, facilitating more entrepreneurs. So we want to upscale our activities and upcycle more waste. Uh, and we uh, have, um, as I told you, three entrepreneurs within the upcycle center, but the amount that they upcycle is little. So we want to upcycle more waste. And two of my colleagues are working on um, a pilot uh, where they are researching the possibilities to um, give other entrepreneurs the opportunity to get access to our waste. Mm. Because um, currently only the three entrepreneurs that are with us have access, exclusive access to our um, resources uh, because the law and regulations uh, in the Netherlands prohibits us to give our resources uh, to entrepreneurs that are outside our threshold. Mm. So they are looking at possibilities to break that wall and help uh, more entrepreneurs because they are literally knocking on our door for our resources because they show us what they can make out of it and they are finding ways to um, get uh, the resources directly from people but it would be more nice if they can come to us and get the resources um, directly from us yeah 
So I guess those issues of, you know, restrictions around what you can do with waste probably apply across the whole of Europe and in many other countries as well. But what I find is brilliant is that you've got entrepreneurs knocking on your door saying, can we have access to this waste? It just shows how things are, you know, turning a corner and that people are getting inspired and people are able to start artisan and craft businesses and um, and other kind of more more industrial type businesses, all on the back of things that we were just discarding and and um, and and wasting. So that's 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 so um, inspiring and and so encouraging. Um, given given the the slow progress, it feels like we're making. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so coming back to you, Hader, and thinking about. Um, you know, going back to where we, where we started and what you love about your your work and so on. Which of your values do you think helps to move us towards a better world, one that's more sustainable and fairer? Yeah, I think I have thought about this one, and I think it's honesty. Um, in the first place, honesty uh, towards ourselves, uh, because I think we all like to believe that we are good people. And we care about people and the world, <coughs> excuse me, around us. Um, but still, every day we make choices or purchases that, um, if we are completely honest, are not contributing to a better world. And yeah, that includes me as well. Um, for instance, if I, when I buy a piece of clothing, clothing for a price that raises some red flags at the least, it's very, very easy to go on about your day and not consider the consequences. Um, so I think it all starts with honesty towards ourselves because I truly believe that, yeah, most of us want the best for our world and for our uh, fellow humans. Um, and I don't want to get very spiritual, but I, I, I believe that, that there are good people here that want to do good. Yeah, and that's that's interesting, and it puts a, a slightly different slant on the way that I think most people will think about their lifestyles and what they buy. I guess most people are perhaps looking for, you know, what's the what's the 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 least um, problematic option, or what mm-hmm. choice could I make that's um, you know that's slightly better than the. Uh, I've been reading a, a, a bit this week about. Um, a UK-based fashion retailer called Boohoo. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you've heard about them, but they yeah, get criti- yeah. criticised for selling, you know, a dress for five pounds, and people mm-hmm. are saying, you know, how can that possibly be right from the yeah. ethical point of view of paying people to to do that, as well as the cost of, um, you know, cheap materials going into it. But I guess people are then thinking, well, if I know Boohoo's bad, but I buy from H and M or wherever that's slightly better so that's okay but but the way that you phrased it is entirely different what can I do that's that's going to contribute to a better world Mm -hmm. and that might lead you to think that well on this occasion I won't buy anything or I might rent instead because you know I know I'm only going to wear this thing once or twice and if I rent it then it can can go back so thinking about is what I'm going to do going to make a better world instead of what can I do that's a bit less bad than the, than the, 
than the, the, the <laughs> thing I did last time. Yeah. Is, is a different way of looking at it, isn't it? And yeah, I think you're right. We do. I've just been reading a, a, a book that's that's been around for quite a while. It's been updated a few times called Willful Blindness by Margaret Heffernan. And that has mm-hmm. all sorts of different reasons she goes through as to why we're not truthful to ourselves. Yeah. Um, and the aim of the book is just to help us spot all those scenarios where we can be deluding ourselves and then, you know, pick ourselves up. And that might be in a in a work situation with whistleblowers and so on. There's a really mm-hmm. interesting one there where she, she and she quotes lots and lots of research to back up um, uh, the thesis of what she's saying. And so there's research that says whenever money questions of finance come into conversations, mm-hmm. all other ethical considerations get dismissed. And yeah. there's something about bringing money into the decision making progress process that crowds out all other sort of moral um, considerations. And I found that a shocking, but then be really interesting. And to then start thinking, well, how would you avoid that happening? You know, what yeah. processes could you go through that avoid that being part of business decision making? Because it could be, you know, that there's a, a 1% saving to be had by doing something that's completely unethical or, un, you know, um, where you're washing your hands of responsibility further up the supply chain just for a small saving. So how could you avoid that scenario coming up so that that's the route that you go down? So thank you. And Hedda, who would you recommend as a future guest for the programme? I'm guessing you've been inspired by lots of these entrepreneurs at the Upcycle Centre. So yeah. who, who would you um, like to like us to talk to? I think, um, so yeah, as the account manager, uh, I would, I uh, represent all the previous and current entrepreneurs. And of course, um, I'm proud of them uh, all equally. And choosing between them is like a mother choosing her favorite child. Actually, that feels like that. But I think um, I'm convinced that each and uh, each and every one of them have their unique story uh, regarding their way of upcycling and their views uh, within within the circular economy. So, yeah, I would recommend one of the six entrepreneurs that we uh, that we had and that we talked about. Great. So I'll um, email afterwards to get some of those uh, contact details because yeah, I'm fascinated by quite a few of those those uh, ideas and stories, and I think um, it would would be really interesting to find out how they got started and you know where they got the ideas from and how they're creating value from waste. Thank you. And Hedda, how can people find out more and get in touch with you and the Upcycle Centre? Yes. Um, so people can find us on social media, on uh, Instagram or uh, LinkedIn, and they can find us uh, via the name Upcycle Centre Almere. Or um, they can contact us uh, via mail. Uh, our email address is upcyclecentrum at almere.nl. Uh, or they can connect with me on LinkedIn and ask their questions uh, uh, there. So different ways to uh, contact us. Thank you. And just to spell that out, so that's Upcycle Centrum. So C E N. T R U M. 
Yes. So not upcycle centre, as we would uh, no. say it in the UK. And Almira no. is A-L-M-E-R-E. But I'll put yes. all those links in Correct. the show notes at circuareconomypodcast.com so people can look them up. And maybe we'll be able to put links to the entrepreneurs' businesses as well. That would be great. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Hedda. I'm really pleased that Laura put us in touch and, and uh, recommended you as a guest. And I think what the Upcycle Centrum is doing is absolutely inspiring. I could see it being applicable to every town around the world. It's a brilliant way of fledging new businesses as well as getting people more engaged with why we shouldn't be wasting things and why everything should stay in the system so we can create value out of it instead of losing all those embedded resources, the energy, the water, and of course the human knowledge and, and labour that went into creating the product in the first place. Thank you very much. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Catherine, you as well, uh, for this uh, lovely uh, conversation. Thank you. The Upcycle Centrum is such a brilliant idea. It's achieving two important aims. Firstly, providing a supportive incubator for fledgling circular artisan businesses and simultaneously showcasing different ways of creating value from discarded materials. I'd love to see every town and city doing this. I was impressed by the selection process for the startups with Hader thinking about how to focus on a different range of materials for each batch of entrepreneurs, rather than repeating previous themes of waste plastics, waste from horticulture, and so on. The Upcycle Centrum's approach aims to make everything tangible, not just words or stories, but using things that people can touch, smell, hear, and really get a sense of. That helps engage imagination, sparking ideas, stories, and, crucially, new actions. Heida Rizzoki really hit the nail on the head in explaining why her personal value, honesty, is critical. Being honest with ourselves means noticing when we're avoiding uncomfortable or inconvenient decisions by choosing the easy, habitual, and often less sustainable option instead. Hader asks herself, how can I take actions that contribute to a better world? There are a couple of free events coming up that I'd like to share with you. The United Nations Association in Scotland is holding a series of online support events for COP26. On Tuesday the 19th of October, I'll be talking about the many ways that going circular can support zero carbon goals and why we need to focus on three key circular economy strategies. I'm looking forward to sharing the virtual floor with Ian Gulland of Zero Waste Scotland. So if you're keen to know how you can use circular strategies to reduce carbon, come and join us. I've included a booking link in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. Secondly, the inspiring social entrepreneur Joe Godden founder of Ruby Moon Gym to Swim, wants to challenge all of us to reimagine the future of fashion and textiles and think about how you can care for your planet by caring for your clothes. Jo Godden and her team are hosting Shop Till We Drop, an online hackathon on Thursday the 7th of October at 4pm UK time. 
There's more info and free tickets on Eventbrite. I'll put the link in the show notes. So there you go. Another episode of the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you to our guest this week, Hayda Rizoki. And thanks also to Laura Myring for making the interview possible. You can find out more and follow Hayda Rizoki and the Upcycle Centrum on LinkedIn. And check out the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. That's it for this episode of the Circular Economy Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues. The Circular Economy Podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you use circular, sustainable approaches to make a better world for people, planet and your business. Get in touch via the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one or buy the new edition of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. Make sure you get the edition with the orange cover, which has a new chapter on packaging, lots of extra examples and updated research in every chapter. You can find resources and links mentioned in today's episode, as well as a transcript of the conversation at rethinkglobal.info, where you can find out how we help you succeed with Circular. <music>